Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God for His holy written word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And thank God that we can live by His word, but we need to know what His word says to live by it. Amen. We're going to talk about one word this morning, and it's called remember. Remember. And we're going to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, Solomon writing. And what he says is, remember, and that's the word that stood out to me when I read that verse of scripture. Now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And if you look at that verse and you compare it to the backdrop of the last two verses in that same chapter when he said this giving words of wisdom here's the conclusion of the whole matter this is the sum total of it all when it comes to human life fear God and keep his commandments fear God and keep his commandments and that says remember God in the days of your youth why does he say that because when you're a young person you've got it made you think when a young person you know more than anybody else when you're a young person, you've got your health, you've got your strength, you've got the world by the neck. You think that no one can tell you anything and etc., etc., etc. And you don't really need a whole lot of God in your life at that time because you're strong and because you're healthy and, and vibrant and all that. <clears throat> That's how people think. But notice he said, you better do it when you're young because when you're mature, he says in old age, when you grow older, what happens when you grow older? You see life from a different perspective, don't you? You start thinking that, oh my goodness, I should have made some better decisions when I was a younger person. So now that you're, let's say, a more mature person, you can see life through different lenses. You can have a different perspective and all that, and things change. So remember when you're a young person to serve God in your youth, and you'll be blessed for it in old age. In our country, what we do is we celebrate certain events, so why? So we ensure that we're not going to forget certain things, things that are really important to us. For example, when it comes to uh, m Mother and Father's Day, what do we do? We celebrate that for what reason? So we don't forget to honor mom and dad. And then what about Memorial Day? We celebrate that day so that we don't forget to remember those who served and sacrificed their lives for our freedom. And then we've got the 4th of July. And why do we celebrate that? So we don't forget to remember that independence comes with a price. We thank God for our freedom, but people died to give us our freedom. We celebrate Veterans Day. Why? So we don't forget to remember those that served and survived. And we thank God for their service. Can you say amen? We could list a whole lot more, President's Day, Martin Luther King, Junior Day, and we thank God for his contribution to civil rights, and it, it, the list goes on and on. But why do we remember those things? Because we shouldn't forget how we've been impacted by individuals that have lived and uh, people that have died. Well, you know, God's the same way. He instituted a lot of memorials for his people. Why? So they could remember their past and be better prepared to face their future. 
And if they would remember some things from the past, they'll be more equipped to face their future successfully. For example, the Passover. The Passover was to remind them of what? That they were once in slavery, but God brought them out with a mighty hand of deliverance. So the Passover reminds them of God's delivering power. It was on display for them. Look in the book of Exodus in chapter 12 and verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Notice, throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So he wanted them to keep the feast of the Passover to remind them of they were in slavery and he brought them out. He delivered them with a mighty hand. But do you realize that we can also celebrate these things? We can, for example, go through the motions and not really be impacted by the meaning? You realize that? We go through the motions and that's really what church is all about and celebrating other things is all about. We can go through the motions of it, but if we don't really focus our attention like we should, we won't be impacted by the meaning. Look in Psalm 78 and verse 40. Look at what they did. They celebrated it, but notice this. How oft did they provoke me, him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back on and tempted God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. They remembered not his hand. And how he delivered them from their enemy. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of, of uh, Zoan. Think about that. He instu- instituted the, the uh, Passover so that they would remember his mighty hand to deliver. Have you ever been in a situation where you need God's delivering power in your life? I'm sure we've all been down, down that road at one time or another in our lives. Let us not forget the power of God to deliver. And the thing is, he wanted that transferred from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Why? It's easy for young people to forget. It's easy because they weren't there in Egypt. They were not there in slavery. They didn't experience all the oppression that was upon them during that time. And so parents have got to pass that on to the next generation and then to the next generation. And by so many generations down the road, guess what? People forget about it. And it's not a big deal. They're not impacted by it. But you know what? The meaning is so rich and so powerful to us today. An impossible situation was made possible because the hand of God fell upon the people and they were delivered from the power of their enemies. He brought them out and what he did then, he'll do for us today. Secondly, we also know that there was manna that was placed in a golden pot in the Ark of the Covenant. And why was that manna placed there? To remind them of God's provision. To remind them that God will provide no matter what the situation might be. In the book of uh, Exodus chapter 16 verse 32. And this is from the New Living Translation. Look at what it says. Then Moses said this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see food. I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. Why is he doing this? It's so easy to forget. What's the word we're talking about today? remember it's so easy to forget and besides if you weren't out there in the wilderness if you didn't experience that particular situation then guess what you have no clue how to identify with it 
But there they were. They came out of Egypt. And there they are in the wilderness. And in the wilderness there is no food. There is no water. There is nothing to eat. There is nothing to drink. There's not even a chance of finding something to eat. Or something to drink. And they're crying out to God and complaining. Because they're going to die there in that wilderness. And what does God do? He gives instructions to Moses and what happens? He sends manna down from heaven every single day for 40 years. 4,500 tons of manna, 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock. And he says, I brought you out to prove to you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Almighty God. And God could take care of you where there's nothing. I can make something out of nothing, praise God. He gave them water to drink. He gave them food to eat. And that golden pot of manna was a reminder to let them know Praise God, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to a job, when it comes to the things that we need to be sustained in life, Jesus said, don't even worry about those things, O ye of little faith. If God so clothed the grass of the fields and feeds the fowls of the air, how much more will he take care of you? You're worth more than a sparrow. He'll take care of us. So to remind us that, praise God, what we might be going through, God is greater, he's more powerful. Then what about the uh, monument of stones that was set up in the days of Joshua? The monument of rocks. The monument of stones that was set up to remind them of God's faithfulness and God's power. What an awesome God we serve. We sang about that. He is awesome in power. But notice in the book of Joshua. Now this isn't in your notes. Joshua chapter 3. I I just added this to it. Joshua chapter 3. This is a... From the New Living Translation. It begins with 14. Then we're going to jump over to the chapter 5. Chapter 4, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above the point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethim. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as they passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. And just for a moment, before we go to chapter 4. That was during April. And during that time, in the springtime in April... When it says it was flooded, the riverbanks were flooded, it goes from 40 feet wide to a mile wide and 150 feet deep. Now think about that massive amount of water and there they are to step in that water and let's pick it up in chapter 4 now. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. In other words, when the presence of God meant the mighty river Jordan, the river was no match for the living God. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. 
So if we find ourselves with a river to cross, we find ourselves at a crossroads in life, and it seems like as though there's no way we can get across, it's flooded, it's flowing in a mighty way, and it seems like everything against us is just coming against us so strongly, he says, remember, do you remember the day when the Lord your God said for them to put the ark in the water, and when they stepped in the water, those waters were congealed, and there was dry ground, imagine that, dry ground that you walked across to the other side of the Jordan. What an awesome God we serve. What a powerful God we serve. What does that do for us? It sparks faith in our hearts. It causes us to rise up and believe beyond what is the natural, let's say, law. There's a higher law. The water backed up. Water runs one certain way. It doesn't back up. But when it meets God, it does. It backs up. It backs down. It moves out, praise God, when it meets the hand of God. So remember, in other words, they were to tell their children, where, where are we going? We're going to take a walk. Where are we going to go? By the river. Oh, dad, mom, what's, what are those stones? What, what's that stuff there for? That's a monument. What's it there for? Oh, son, one day we were standing right here. We're standing right here at the riverbank. And God spoke and said, it was flooded. It was a mile on the, all across. It was 150 feet deep. But God said, take the ark and step in the water. And when we did, oh, glory to God, it all parted. Here's a visual for you. Can you see all of us saying, we're not going to meet in church today. We're going to hike it on down to the Ohio River. We're going to get on down and we're going to go to its widest point. And we're going to stand there. And the moment we step our feet in the water, whew, dry land. And you walk across to the other side. Would that strike you? In a powerful way? These are real happenings. They took place. Mm, remember. And then next, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Luke twenty two nineteen. 19. We can't forget this. But remember this. You can go through the motions of something, but not really be impacted by the meaning of something. He took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. He gave to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Remember me. Remember my love. Remember my sacrifice. Remember what I did for you to give you life and more abundantly. Remember how I left heaven. I had to come to the earth. You see man's problem that he created because of his rebellion against the Father and the plan of God Almighty meant that the second person of deity had to leave the throne of God to come to the earth and intrude in this earth and walk on the earth that he created become a man and robe himself in flesh like we are to do what? To provide a remedy for the sin of man. For the rebellion of man. Each and every one of us would have been lost to eternity. In a lake of fire forever burning. Think about it. Where there's weeping, welling, gnashing of teeth. But God sent Jesus his son. And Jesus went to that cross. And Jesus took your place. And Jesus took my place. And because he did what he did. Remember. We could live with him forever. We can reign with him forever. We're washed in the blood of the lamb. Spiritually, mostly, physically, we've been set free. Now, not remembering is dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. These verses really impacted me when I first studied them when I was off at school. And they still do today. Because they really speak to the human nature that we all have. The Lord your God will soon bring you to the land he swore to give you. 
when he made a vow to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a land with large prosperous cities that you did not build. Notice this. You did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig or wells you did not dig. You will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful. Be careful not to forget, not to forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. So notice all those wonderful things. You know that need drives us to God, but prosperity has a tendency to make one lethargic and move him away from God. You know why we suffer in this country sometimes? Because we've got all of our needs met. We live in a prosperous country. It's all at our fingertips. It's all at our disposal. It's all right there, right there in front of us. But we heard as, as our sister shared, Mylene, when she talked about in, where she couldn't get certain things that we really we actually take for granted. He said, look, when I bring you to this land where you see the grapes are so big they look like softballs, when you see all the fruit of it and you see all the goodly cities and all the olive trees and all that. We were in Italy when I taught in Italy and a relative of mine has olive trees. You haven't seen olive oil like this. When we were there, oh my goodness, the pure virgin olive oil was phenomenal. It's just amazing. But he says this, when you get there and you start enjoying it and you're prospering in your way, don't forget how you got there. Look at Nehemiah. Oh, this will bring you to your knees. Chapter 9, 24. So the children went in and possessed the land, this beautiful land. And you subdue, that you subdue before um, them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would and they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods that they didn't build, wells dig that they didn't dig, vineyards that they didn't plant, olive yards that they didn't plant, and fruit trees in abundance that they didn't plant. So they did eat and they were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. What's the next word? Nevertheless, they were disobedient. They rebelled against thee. They cast thy law behind their backs. They slew thy prophets with testified against them to turn them to thee. And they, they wrought great provocations. Therefore you delivered them to the hand of their enemies who vexed them. And in time of their trouble, in time of their need, what does need do? Drives us to God. When they cried unto thee, you heard them from heaven. According to your manifold mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, prosperous, they did evil again before thee. Therefore, leftest thou them in the land, or in the hand of their enemies, so that they had the dominion over them. Yet, when they returned and cried unto thee, you heard them again and again from heaven. And many times thou didst deliver them according to thy mercies. You see a pattern here? When they're in need, they cry out to God. When they're prosperous, everything's going okay. It's okay. They become lethargic. They don't serve God like they did before. Actually, they, they kind of rebel against God. Set aside all that. Isn't that human nature today? Isn't that how we are? When things are well, we're just all happy and all that. 
And we just, you know, don't really take much time to do what God wants us to do. But then all of a sudden, when you find yourself in dire need, you cry out for mercy. And what does God do? He shows up and shows mercy. See, that's why he's saying when you're young, serve the Lord. And if you don't understand this, you will when you see another, a few more scriptures. Because the day's going to come when you're going to get older. And all that you thought that was phenomenal was nothing but vanity. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to your 45th? I'm about to go to my 50th class reunion. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that. I was there at the 40, 40, 45th one, okay, just a few years back. And I thought some of those young girls that when they were young and slim <laughs> and pretty, I'm stopping right there. Today they use the term hot. We use tough, fine. Remember those, remember those words? How she, she's cute, she's tough, she's fine. I was looking all around for them, I couldn't find them. I got to preach some Jesus though. <laughs> Lord, for, help me. <laughs> Get me out of this mess. Crank me across the Jordan to the other side. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyhow. You see what happens? We get lethargic because everything is going well. And what ends up happening? We kind of relax our, let's say, efforts when it comes to serving God. Why? Because everything's going well. But then we cry out when there's a need and we're drawn to God. So he says, remember, remember, remember. All those things you thought were so meaningful when you were in high school and all these people that you were trying to impress when they're 75 years old. I'm getting in deeper. I'm not getting in. I should have said the guys. You know these muscle builders, it's too late. It's too late. They had muscle on muscle and all that and everything and you thought, oh, never mind. There's no sense in trying. Peter understood the need to remind people. Look at here, point number four. Peter understood the importance and the value of remembering certain things. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 12 through 14. This is from the New Living Translation. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Now notice, even though you already know them. You know that's what church is all about? Usually, I'm not here to tell you something you don't know. If you've been learning along the way, if you've been sitting here quite a long period of time, you've learned a lot of things, right? We know a lot of things. We're not here necessarily always to tell you something that you don't know. We're here to remind you of something that you already know. That I already know. To know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. Think about that. So Peter is saying while I'm alive and in this body. I'm going to keep on reminding you and reminding you and reminding you of the things that you know. Why? So that you don't become lethargic and apathetic. And so that you don't withdraw and just take your, relax your hold on these things. He says 
what he does is I'm going to remind you of these things you know so that you can be stimulated why to have wholesome thinking to think the right way so that you can then be what empowered to live a life that is upright before the Lord your God and serve him and that's why he says I'm going to remind you of these things constantly so that you can do them now every one of us will be challenged to grow in our Christian faith and experience and along the way we always need to be reminded that's what church is all about that's why you're here amen next remember this is something else that Peter said when you are mocked young person in particular when you're mocked for your Christian faith when you go off into college somewhere if it's not a Christian college and all that you start hearing all this garbage about what you believe is garbage when you're mocked for your Christian faith and they start telling you something like Huh, Jesus is coming back it's been 2,000 years you're crazy to believe that fairy tale and I've had it said but look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 in the New Living Translation this second epistle beloved I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance and what he went on to say but we won't take time to read the rest of this that whole chapter you know what he talks about when people scoff you and mock you, scoffers are going to come and say, where is the time of his coming? You've been saying he's coming. You're telling us to live right, serve God, do this, do that, uh, do good works, go to church and love people and give and give your money and, and support the work of God. But where is the time of his coming? He says, God is not slack concerning his promises as some of you think that he is. He says to the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. And one day he's going to come and when he comes going to be a fire and when he comes and this earth is going to be renovated as a by fire he said God is not waiting for anything but for the last person to come into the kingdom of God and when he comes to the kingdom of God he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and be glad that he is because he waited for you amen and that's what he's saying to re, I'm reminding you young person I'm reminding you praise God you're living in the land of the dying and when you die you go to the land of the living and where you spend your eternal living will determine what you do in the land of the dying so that means while we're living our life here we should be serving God, walking with God honoring God, living for God, doing what God wants us to do, praise God witnessing for him and the list goes on and on and Peter's reminding them grow in your Christian faith, add to your faith knowledge, add to it until you get to the point where you're walking in divine love he's reminding them, so when it comes to let's say you, you, don't, you feel like giving up have you been there before that you feel like giving up, what's the word, remember remember what 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, what do they say? They tell us our light afflictions, but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things that are seen, but things that are not seen, the things that are seen are temporary or temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. In other words, I may be going through a trial, a difficult time right now in my life. Don't look at that. Compare that to the backdrop of eternity. Have you ever heard these people say, I'm living, you know, in hell on earth? And all my circumstances, my situations, it's like this is what hell is all about, what I'm going through here on earth. No, 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 no. Nothing can compare to what hell is like and the lake of fire on earth. They don't even come close to representing each other. No, what you're going through on this earth, you compare it to the backdrop of eternity, it is but a light affliction that lasts for a moment. But it's working for you a far more eternal weight of glory. When you get through it on the other side, you'll be refined with refiner's fire. And you'll glow like the stars of heaven because you serve the Lord your God. And you did not bend, you did not bow, and you will not burn, praise God. 
And then, when you're at a place where you seem like, okay, I'm suffering adversity, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is, this is Paul speaking. For the which cause I also suffer these things. He suffered certain things because of his convictions. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. He's able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. I'm not in any doubt. I know the God I serve. And I know, praise God, serving him is the right thing for me to do. I may suffer persecution. I may suffer tribulation. I may suffer rejection. I may suffer scoffing and mocking. And the list goes on and on. But I know that I know that I know that I know it doesn't matter I know who I believe in I know he's alive from the dead he's got a plan for my life and on the other side he's got eternal glory for me praise God can you say amen to that it's just like Moses you know when they laughed at Moses remember they laughed at Moses you're going to leave us all you've got everything at your disposal at your fingertips you've got the kingdom that's in front of you you can you can be a, a let's say the prime minister over here in, in, in Egypt and all that and you're going to walk away with those Hebrew people what are you thinking and they laughed at him and they scoffed him and they mocked him and all that who's got the laugh, laugh, last laugh now Moses is in glory and all them praise God pray. what can I say where do you think Pharaoh's at think about eternity next when it comes to uh, we're tempted to look back Young person, look at this verse of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 7. We're tempted to look back, go back, go back into the things, the former things. Go back and think the things that impress you when you were younger and all that. We want to live in our youth, you know, and we want to have this and that and the other thing. Okay, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you the elders and they will tell you. What is he saying? You think you, you, you really think that you know it all? Have you ever told this to your child? I've been down that road before. I've walked that path before. I've stumbled along the way. I'm just trying to help you so that you don't fall in the same ditch that I fell into. But you see, it's hard for them to understand that. So that verse says, go ask your father. Go ask your grandfather. Go ask your great-grandfather, etc., etc., and find out. Life is the same for everyone. When you're young, you're young and healthy and strong. When you get older, you lose a few things here and there. Maybe a hair here or there. You lose some things, okay? Some things kind of go on the downhill when you get a little bit older. Now, I'm not saying you can't be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm not saying that. But it's a natural thing, is it not? And those things that you thought were so important way back when are no longer important in your life anymore. Think about it. So go and ask the older generation. So remember, remember to ask and find out. And then he goes with other things. God doesn't, lo or your, God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me. John 15, 13, what does it say? Greater love is no man than this. Remember, never forget. When someone comes to you and says to you, well, God doesn't really love me, why are you asking that question? On what basis do you say that God doesn't love you? Because you're going through a difficult situation, remember this, remember this. There is no greater love ever displayed than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And God sees you so valuable. God sees you so precious. You may not see yourself that way, but he sees you that way. And you are an eternal spirit being that will never cease to exist. He loves you so much. He said, I can't let you live eternally in the lake of fire. I've got to send my son to rescue you. That's how important you are to me. That's how valuable you are to me. And I'm going to do it because I want you to be a part of my royal family think about that and remember that and digest that just get all that it means to you and let it be meaningful to you the word is what remember remember uh, when sickness comes the next one when sickness comes remember he bore your sickness he carried your pain and with his stripes you were healed remember Psalm 103 that says 
He forgives all our sins and heals all our, our forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Remember, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Don't forget one of His benefits, not all of His benefits. He forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. We could camp right there just for a while, couldn't we? Aren't you glad He forgives all your sins? And when you cry out to Him that He does forgive, and that He heals all our diseases, He heals our sicknesses. Don't forget. Notice the word. Don't forget. When you're empty and your feelings dry. Have you been down that road before? Remember John chapter uh, 7 verses 37. Really through 39. We'll read through 38. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he said, If any man thirsts, are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty this morning? Come to me and drink. See, if I'm thirsty for spiritual things, obviously I haven't been drinking. Have you ever gone for a checkup and the doctor says you're somewhat dehydrated? So what does he say? Go home and go to bed. Go home and get some rest. Go for a walk. You'll feel better. What's he tell you to do? Why drink? You're dehydrated. Sounds like a plan. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty this morning? He said come to me and drink. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit. That they which believe on him shall receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Because Jesus Christ was not yet glorified. But he's been glorified now. Praise God. And if you and I are thirsty. It's because we've not been drinking from the fountain. And when you drink from that fountain long enough. I'm telling you right now. You'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll speak with other tongues. As the spirit of God gives you utterance. And you will have a means by which you can generate miracle working power in your life. That will take you to places you've never been before. Hallelujah. And then, when you're tempted not to forgive someone, have you ever been tempted to do that? Not to forgive someone? Remember Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Everybody say those next two words. Even as. See, someone who can't forgive has forgotten something. You've been forgiven a debt you could never pay. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I'm to forgive you no matter what you've done, no matter what you do. We're to forgive one another no matter what. I mean from the heart. Genuinely forgive. And this really is what causes a lot of problems in people's lives. It opens up the door to all kinds of uh, sicknesses and diseases and and mental problems and all that because they harbor things. They hold things inside. They get full of anxiety and all that. He says forgive as Christ has God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. So think about that. I've been forgiven this huge, humongous debt. And he says to me, forgive that little debt that somebody did to you. And then finally, when it comes to the place, we come to the place where it's like we're tempted to retreat. Just to give up, throw in the towel and sound the alarm to retreat. When you feel that way, remember, Romans 8.37 tells us, nay, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let me just share with you. There's a story told about King Richard the Lionheart. And King Richard the Lionheart, who defended England to the hilt, took his British army, and he was such a warrior, such a conqueror, that uh, never lost battles. Valiant, mighty. He had this close, close friend who was a servant who rode right by his side, who just admired King Richard because of his ability, his ingenuity, and plus his boldness and and fearlessness just to go and lead the army in the battle 
victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. Well, one day, the combined armies of the, Egypt, of the uh, European powers gather themselves together to destroy England, to come against England and overcome the army. So they set out to war and the battle. And King Richard was leading, of course, the army. And they were going into battle. But they were so outnumbered and they were so overwhelmed by all that they were facing that for the first time ever, this loyal servant heard King Richard say, sound the retreat, sound the retreat. And so everybody retreated and they began to go back in defeat. And as they were going back in defeat, his servant was like puzzled. He was amazed, he was wondering, I've never heard this before, he's never done this before. What are we doing? And so finally, he rode faster and faster and caught up to the king. And when he got near the king, he says to the king, Oh king, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. And the king, it must have hit him. He stopped and said, stop the retreat. Stop the retreat. Advance and conquer. Sound the alarm. Advance and conquer. And they went forward and they won a mighty battle. Why? Because they remember, he remembered who I am, who he is. Beloved, when you and I are in a situation where it's like we can do nothing but retreat. We're about to cave in, give up, throw in the towel. We hear about people wanting to take their lives and all that. Or they can't find this, can't do that. And it's just like you're retreating because you feel like as though you're in defeat. What does God want us to do? He wants us to, what's the word? Remember who he is and remember who you are. You are a child of the living God. You are a member of the blood-bought church of the redeemed. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. You are the one who is the temple of the most high God and the greater one is living in you. He wants you to remember who you are and shout it from the mountaintops. Stop the retreat. Go forward. Remember when they got to the, to the Red Sea. Remember when Moses took the people of, Egypt, of Israel out of Egypt to the Red Sea? And there they were. They had the enemy all around them. They had the Red Sea in front of them. And they stood there. They cried out to Moses who cried out to God. And God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people not to retreat. Tell them to go forward. Tell them to move head, ahead, forward. And they did across dry land. Imagine. If you're out there and you're thinking... I've been in retreat mode. It's time to stand up. It's time to rise up. It's time to hear who you are. Start saying who you are. And take your step forward and say, I'm going to step in the river. I'm going to step in the water. And God will part the sea if he has to for me to get to the other side. I'm getting, there's no river wide enough. There's no river deep enough. There's no mountain that's big enough for the God that I serve. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know what I did for you. I preached me happy. I preached me happy this morning. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. 
And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.